Hi, this is Kristen Bass with encouragement from Kristen's Backyard. If this is your first time here, let me give you a little background on the many hats I wear. I am a Dallas, Texas bred girl living in Atlanta, Georgia, who is a wife and mom, choreographer and artistic director, Arthur, homesteader, founder and life organizer of Traveling Psychology Girl LLC, where we declutter and organize your mind, home, and office. And I am an educator, which is what led me to do this podcast. If you like nature and the Bible, you have come to the right place. Here, I take elements of nature, insects, animals, and apply their behaviors and characteristics to biblical characters and principles. Sit back and enjoy encouragement from Kristen's backyard. Hello everyone. I am so happy to be here to record the podcast today. Um it is raining. We are getting um so I am indoors. And I'm going to try and get through the podcast without any distractions, considering my husband, my three children, and my two dogs are quite active right now. <laughs> but it's because it's raining, so I can't go outside. And um, I don't even want to be in my car because it is... Um, lightning outside and so we have some storms coming in um we had really bad storms on monday i'm recording this podcast on thursday actually and um you would get it on monday but i'm recording i i was driving and it was raining uh monday of this week as i'm recording the podcast and today is thursday it's raining again but it was raining really bad due to some storms and um it's because it's it's you know some tropical storms and oh, I can't even remember the name of this storm tropical storm Fred or Hurricane Fred somebody I don't, know. I don't even remember anymore so it's been so many but we had the first um I guess wave of the 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 rain bands from that storm and then he passed over and so I can't remember what tropical storm this one is um but we're getting hit pretty hard and I know I know God knows I know <laughs> if you listen to this podcast on a regular basis you're and if you don't live in Georgia you're probably thinking okay I'm never moving to Georgia, <laughs> but, um, we really do have nice weather here. <laughs> it just, when it rains, it really rains. Okay. Um, so, oh gosh, I, I, I don't know if you can hear one of my dogs in the background, but they're like scratching and crying at the door. And of course I asked the kids to keep the dogs with them, but you know, they will find their way out to find me and um yeah it would be too perfect to try to get through this podcast without her in the background but we're gonna proceed anyway so um i do have a particular topic that i want to talk about today and um it's gonna quite be quite interesting 
so I'm gonna dive right in. So I there it's I guess it's dragonfly season, and so um, I I really love dragonflies, um, but what I've been seeing around my home is um, a dragonfly that I've never seen before. It's got some really distinct wings, and um, I I think it's a pretty dragonfly, but. You know, it just it really just kind of caught my attention because of of the coloring on the wings, and so um, I did not look this word up, <laughs> but I think it's called the banded uh, pennant. And if I'm saying it wrong, oh, forgive me. But it has black markings on the wings um, of the band, and the pattern is pretty consistent. Um, despite the individual dragonfly um, and this is coming from insectidentification.org one of my favorite you know of course websites to look up insect information and um, it says this skimmer this skimmer has a long bluish abdomen and wings that are stamped with black markings the markings may vary in individuals with northern ones showing less color generally all four wingtips are dipped in black color a black ring sits near the body though it may be broken in in places it may be filled with a faint orange hue a smaller um, black crescent straddles the space between the tip and the ring the long abdomen of a female is dark with yellow patches on top of the segments. A male um, is like, I guess it's like a, it's a blue color. Um, they're typically around water. Um, they're also seen, seen flying in open lots, ditches, fields, and meadows, which is of course why I see them around here. And they are active late spring, early autumn, which again is why they're flying around here. And I, I really, I, you know, I grew up and, you know, there, there was always dragonflies. And um, dragonflies was kind of like this, this fly that, you know, it was like the, the feeling you would get when you would see a butterfly is like the feeling you get when you see a dragonfly. At least for me. That's just, you know, they're just, I like the way that they kind of hover and, um, you know, it's, it's almost like they kind of remind you of a bee, but you're not running from it because you know it's not going to do anything to you. I've had someone tell me um, that they got bitten by a dragonfly and they like posted the uh, bite on Facebook. And uh, it was like really hideous, but I was, you know, like, are you sure a dragonfly did that? Because I didn't think they they bite, but... I was told that, like, if you are, like, really messing with it, then it would bite. But from all of the information that I've read, it shows that they don't bite. So I don't know if that was really true or if it could have been anything. Who knows? But, you know, dragonflies are, you know, just beautiful to me. I just love them. Now, from Dave's Garden, I was looking. There's not a whole lot that I found about these dragonflies, but I was looking at davesgarden.com and um, I was looking at this particular 
um, Dragonfly, and I was like really grossed out because it had like they have a picture on the website, and it has like a dragonfly with like all of these little red bead looking bump like things on on its back and it looks really freaky and at first I thought it was like a part of the color but um, I found out that at least according to this website it says some juveniles um, juvenile okay let me see I did look up how to pronounce this word acai I think is how you pronounce it. Acai mites feed on dragonflies for a short time before leaving them to feed on their final positive host. These mites cover the thorax of the banded pennant, looking like red beads. Um, says dragonflies or, you know, they're important uh, predators of mosquitoes. Great. Definitely can use you around here. Or biting insects, I mean, the other biting insects found in your habitats. But let's wait a minute. Before saying that, let's back it up, okay? Let's back up. These mites cover the thorax of this banded pennant looking like red beads. So, it is a mite that is on there. And I thought that that was interesting. Um, it's called a, a, you know what? Yeah, I think I said it. The name of the mite. The name of the mite is acai. And uh, I think it's Portuguese. But don't get me to lying. But acai, that is the name of the mite. And uh, gross, um, they're like in the tick family. Mites and ticks. Um, and so... Um, yeah, there is like it's a bug that like feeds on them and probably not till the death, but I mean, it's a pest. And I thought that that was really interesting because um, there was really nothing other than the beauty of this dragonfly that could make me think about anything biblically, honestly, until... I saw that it had these mites on it. And then that changed the game a little bit. So with that said, when I come back, I'm going to dive into the principle, at least, that I thought about when I was, um, you know, reading about this mite and um, something that my husband also pointed out to me that I should share. So when I come back, I will get right to it. Welcome back to Encouragement from Kristen's Backyard. And I was talking about the dragonfly and the beauty of dragonflies, period. But then how they have a mite on them. And this particular mite is called an um, acai. And... It kind of took me to a story and a principle, and I'm gonna just going to dig right into that. And I'm going to be reading from Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 10. And I'm going to read from the English Standard Version today. And this is when Jesus was tempted by Satan. So verse 1 reads, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. 
and after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Verse 5. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you. And on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Verse 7, Jesus said to him, Again, it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to the very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these I will give to you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Now, what I want to talk about the topic here is something that's on you attaching itself to you all the time there it's always something that wants to attach itself to you no matter where you are in your life it's always something that satan wants to do to cause some type of attachment now it relates to the dragonfly because this mite would attach itself right to the dragonfly and feed on it until it was literally ready to go to another host. And that made me think about this story because Satan did not care that it was Jesus. And he kept going to him. It's like it didn't even matter. So let's go back and look. It says in verse 3, And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. So here we are in the first situation where, you know, Jesus is hungry. And Satan knows he has power, right? Okay, so command these these stones to become bread. It's almost like he's, well, it is, he was taunting him. But he used the word, well, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Well, then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple. It's made me think about in the movies where, you know, you have like good versus evil or evil versus good. And it's almost like, you know, the the person that's playing the bad guy. Um, it, if this is like typically not in like superhero movies, but typically like in spiritual movies where, you know, the person will take them to a to the top of the world but it's like you know it's almost like it's a dream or it's a vision and they take this person on the the highest building you know like on top of the empire state building or something and they're showing them everything they could have and you know it just kind of reminds me of those movies it actually kind of reminds me of 
this is going to really date back, but it's a movie called Bless the Child. And um, it's a really good movie, especially if you want to know about, you know, spirits, angels, demonic, you know, demons or whatnot. This is it's a really good movie. It was done and written very well. Um, and it it shows the power of God as well as the power of Satan. And I like it because in uh, typically in like a lot of spiritual movies, you know, they'll show the power of Satan, but they never show the power of God. And in this movie, um, it shows the power of both. And so um, this little girl is, you know, extremely blessed and gifted. And she has the gift of healing, the gift of love, the gift of care. Um, and she also suffers from, you know, they can't figure out if it's autism or whatnot, but her mom was a drug addict. And so, um, but that really played really no role on this girl because she was just so special. And there was a scene and yes, I'm giving it away, but there was a scene, spoiler alert, where, um, she's with the evil man who is like, you know, like he represents Satan and he takes her up to, um, he takes her up to like the top of, well, he tries different things with her to try to get her to convert because she wants, she, he kidnaps her and then he, he tries to convert her over to Satanism and she won't convert. And she's a little girl. She's like, I don't know, she's probably like six, seven years old. She's a little girl. And um, he can't get her to convert. And it just reminds me so much of this whole scene with Jesus and Satan. But, uh, you know, finally he takes her up to the top of this building. And he, you know, he's like telling her to, you know, jump down. You know, if this God you believe in, he'll save you. And so she's terrified. She's like standing on the, you know, the edge of the building. And um, because he puts her up there. But then she turns around and she sits down on the edge of the building and she says, after you. <laughs> and I just loved it. I just loved it. Absolutely loved it. Really loved this movie. And so it, the whole, just everything that he was trying to do with her, you know, it reminds me of this story because it's like Satan just didn't give up. He was showing Jesus all of these things and he's like, nope, that's not going to work. So, you know, he takes him on a pinnacle of the temple and says to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written. He will give, com he will command his angels concerning you and on their hands, they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against the stone. And one of the important things that we really need to know and understand as believers is that Satan knows the word. <laughs> you know, deception is so strong in this world, especially today, that God said that even the, the most elect, right, would be deceived in the last days. And why is that? Well, it's an easy answer is because Satan knows the word too, and he knows it very well. And so, um, you know, he's throwing the word at him, but then Jesus comes back and says in verse seven, again, it's like, dude, you get on my nerves again. It is written. You shall not put the Lord, your God to the test. So it's like, he's saying, I'm still God over you. You can't put him to the test 
But then in verse 8, it says again, in spite, it did not matter. It did not matter. He's, you know, Jesus is coming back and telling him, you're not supposed to do this. This is not what you do. But Satan comes right back again and says, um, all these I give to you. If you will fall down and worship me, he's just trying to get him. He's taking him up to this high mountain and he's showing him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory and all of these things he will give to him. If you just fall down and worship him. So like he really doesn't give up. Satan does not give up. He's like clever. He's coming up with more stuff. He's totally ignoring the fact that you gave him the word back. The fact that you told him what he wasn't even really allowed to do. But he does it anyway. And so in verse 10 it says. And Jesus said to him. Be gone Satan. Okay, now you got on my last nerve. I'm done. This conversation is over. You don't know how to listen. This conversation is over. Be gone. Bye, Felicia. <laughs> for it is written. Yeah, say that. Be gone. Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. And Jesus is completely done with this conversation. It doesn't go anywhere. And I think it could have. I think that Satan could have kept pressing him but I think at this point because Jesus was so adamant he's like you know what I'm done and we have to get to a point in our lives where you know certain situations we're done we're done listening to you we're done even having this conversation why are we having this conversation we're done and so when when he tries to attach himself to you you have to tell him I'm done. This conversation is over. We're not holding a conversation. You're not worthy of my time. You're not worthy of my voice. You're not worthy of my peace. And it's just so much said in that whole text. And when I was talking to my husband, he had an uh, another perspective, you know, on this and he was talking about a jackal spirit and so you're probably like what in the world Kristen a jackal spirit yes a jackal spirit all in the bible there are different places where it talks about a jackal so we know a jackal is what I think it's a fox um and so um there is this website called gotquestions.org I'm going to read a little bit of what it says. So, jackals are mentioned several times in the Bible. It is in Isaiah 13, uh, 21 through 22, in Isaiah 35 and 7, Lamentations 5 and 18, Jeremiah 9 and 11, Jeremiah 49 and 33, Psalms 44 and 19 and Ezekiel chapter 13 and verse 4. The word jackal can refer to several species of carnivore animals inhabiting Africa and Asia. They are kin of the wolf and dog and are known for feeding on and killing other animals. I said that there I think I said that they were um like a fox, but I pretty much mean like, you know, they're in that family. But they are cowardly nocturnal and travel in packs similar to wolves jackals are known for their uh, mournful howling much as coyotes are micah 1 and 8 that's the bible 
Micah. In the book of Micah, chapter 1 and 8, usually the jackal symbolizes desolation and desperation. And I wanted to stop there because I thought it was interesting that it symbolizes desolation and desperation because that kind of sounds like how Satan was when Jesus was, you know, fasting and he was trying to tempt him. He was trying to get Jesus to be sort of isolated um, and, and to be kind of in a place of desolation. And um, he was desperate, right? He was just flat out desperate. He just kept pushing it, kept pushing it, kept pushing it, um, trying to be that tick, right? Trying to attach itself um, to Jesus and, you know, until finally he's like, I'm done. In Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 13 mentions a jackal whale outside the city of, of Jerusalem. Um, it also says, although in some translations it's called the dragon spring, a dragon's whale, or whale of the serpent. Pretty much all in the same family, right? When it comes to Satan, at least. Um, let's see. In scripture, jackals often represent a deeper spiritual truth. Most of the Bible's mentions of jackals um, come in God speaking through a prophet, warning nations of what was about to come if they continued their rebellion. God warned Judah with, with these words. I will make Jerusalem a heap of ruins, a haunt of jackals, and I will lay waste the towns of Judah so no one can live there. Jeremiah 9 verse 11. There's other scriptures. Um, there's a lot more scriptures um, that talk about jackals. But I just thought that that was, you know, just really interesting because it's still sort of it, it, what he said really still ties into what I'm saying. And it's just that spirit that, that wants to attach itself to you. So I want you to be encouraged to just know that, you know, in life, things will try to attach themselves to you, feed on you. Um, things will happen. Satan will do things um, to try to get you to turn back really from what you're, you're striving to do. Because when Jesus was fasting, he was on a mission. You know, he had things to do. He wasn't just fasting and, you know, laying around doing nothing he was he was busy he was up to things he was he was on a mission and you know satan didn't care so oftentimes he doesn't care you know about what your plans are what you're doing or you know where you're going um he wants to stop you he wants to show you all of the amazing things right that you can have if you just follow him if you just stop putting your trust in god and you just put your trust in him but really it's a trap it's really a trap um in that movie bless the child um the evil guy the evil man was trying to he was perpetrating. He was trying to make himself seem, you know, really powerful and that, you know, the world was just like magical if you were with him. But um, the girl's mom, um, so the girl was living with her aunt because in the beginning, the mom, you know, she was a drug addict and she shows up 
at her um, sister's house, which is the girl's aunt. And she basically leaves her daughter there as an infant. She leaves her there and she never comes back and get her until she, you know, is much older. And then she, you know, gets with this evil guy and then they come back. And this evil guy is kind of like this evil prophet um, that's like really, you know, like a cultish like guy that has risen up in the earth. And um, he's, you know, he's recruiting people. And um, so when he's with the girl's mom, the little girl, the special girl, when he's with his mom, her mom, um, you know, he's got her even doing even more drugs and her life is just falling apart, you know, but she feels that, you know, she's really, um, you know, like her life is just magical and it's changed and, but it really hasn't, it's, it's like gotten worse, because all he did was feed her addiction, right? She didn't have anyone or she didn't have anything before. And then she met him and he just fed into her addiction and, and made her more addicted. It kind of reminds me of this old interview of Whitney Houston when she's like, crack is whack, right? Crack is whack. I don't do that. <laughs> so that's probably a terrible example. But... um what the point in that is that you know whatever drug she was doing she had the good she had what would be considered the good stuff you know <laughs> she didn't have that cheap dope she she had some some more expensive stuff so she was really really just sprung out and just all out of whack and so and her life was just becoming more destroyed he was just destroying her because what that's what satan does right and so you know, the, the, um, he later kidnaps the girl or whatnot. I think I said that. And then, you know, so you have to go, I'm really giving away a lot of the movie, but it's really worth going to go look at bless the child. But it, the, I mean, that's, that's how Satan is though. He wants to perpetrate and make himself seem as if life is so much better with him or life is so much better doing it his way. And when you're living an everyday life, you kind of have to know, you have to have a gift of discernment because, you know, Satan's not going to just walk up to you like the guy did in the movie and say, hey, I'm of the devil and this is what I want you to do. No, he's going to do things in a very slick and sly way because he knows you. He knows what to do. Just like with Jesus, he knew the word. He is quoting scriptures. He knew the word and he was, he knew just how to use it, right? You ever been around people that are very controlling and manipulative? They know just what to say, to twist it and to just make it sound so good. You just like when you like know, when you like have the gift of discernment and you know somebody's just full of crap, you can just call them out on it, right? You you know it, you see it, you smell it, you just know it. But for somebody that doesn't know, it, they're not going to pick up on that. They're not. So he will come in very sly ways. He's not going to come straight out and say who he is. He's not going to come straight out and say, I'm using this person to get you to do this or to do that. 
I'm getting this person to take you to this concert when really the Lord, that's not where you need to be right now. You need to be focusing on your education or I don't know, whatever it is, you know, he's not going to come straight out and say that. So you have to be able to discern that something is not right. In that movie, Bless the Child, the aunt, when she first met the guy, you know, he's coming to her and he's trying to present himself that he is a certain way, you know, to, to try to make her feel at ease. But her gift of discernment and, you know, she had some things that she she was trying, you know, kind of working out as far as her faith. Um, and, you know, by the end of the movie, she found her faith. But, you know, the the she she knew, though, like she she still had a sense of discernment to where when she met the this evil guy, she knew that he was not right. And so, you know, you have to be able to know deep in your soul that, you know, this person that is that wants to date you is not really the right one. You know, that if you date this person, it's going to cause a lot of chaos in your life. And, you know, it's not going to really be good for you. It's not going to really be good for your children or, you know, that job, though it's paying you, you know, the amount of money that will help you get out of debt and help you be able to help your family. Um, it's going to cause you to have a lot of late nights and you're not going to be able to even spend time with that family that you want to <laughs> help out so much, you know, that is taken away from you. One of the things is kind of a side note, but one of the things I really hate to to hear people say is that, oh, I, I work two and three jobs. I'm trying to make ends meet. You know, I was um, it's a relative that I have not spoken to in a while, but they wanted to talk to me. And um, they were telling me that they literally work nonstop. I've always known this person to work nonstop, but they were saying that they work nonstop. They, you know, basically leave their nine to five and go to another job. I know um, I personally know what well, personally know that person too but I know of someone else that literally works a nine-to-five leaves her nine-to-five and go work (laughs) like a 10 to 7 in the morning job like like she gets like I think she said she gets four to six hours of sleep a night and you know that's some things is common sense but and you know of course she's got you know some things that she wants to be able to do but you have to stop and say, is, is this really worth my life? Because at some point, you have to value your body and value your mind and your peace and your heart. I mean, literally your heart, because it's not good on your heart not to have a rest. You know, if you're working all of these jobs, but you're, you're like, you work these jobs for a year or two and then you turn around and like, I'm still not a millionaire. <laughs> I'm still not making six figures. You know, if it's if you you got to stop and say this is sucking me dry. It's I don't know who this is for. Maybe this is for someone. Maybe this is why I'm on it, but you have to stop and say this is sucking me dry. I'm like I'm really not able to do any more than what I wanted to do. Right. Well, I got a couple of bills paid, but is was I mean, like, is it really worth me not getting sleep, you know, not being able to function? And what ends up happening is that later on in life, 
your body starts to break down, right? You look pitiful because you, you know, you, you're, you don't look good because you're, you don't get enough rest. And I think that we live in a world now where sleep and rest is kind of like, it's kind of like cool to say, oh, I'm not going to, I ain't getting no sleep because I'm on my grind. But really, no, you gonna die cause <laughs> early because, you know, you just your body needs rest. You need sleep. And you know what? You got to figure out what other things you can do to bring in the income that you need without breaking your body down. Right. Work smarter, not harder. But most of us work harder. Well, not me, but, you know, I've overcome that. But, you know, there's a lot of people that work harder instead of smarter so you gotta you know come up with witty ways to bring in more income to where you're not breaking yourself down you know it's just not even worth it I I personally don't even advise it if you're just trying to do something really quick like I know one person they're trying to you know buy a home and so they they're doing you know what they believe they need to do to you know get a house and I've been there I definitely know what that's like but even then I I was not going to do anything that that was going to prevent me from getting my eight hours of sleep. So, but these are things in life that attach themselves to us. They attach themselves and they feed on us and we feed into it because we're trying to make a dollar. We're trying to do this. Or we're trying to do that. And sometimes it's those simple things that the enemy is taken away from us and we don't even realize it. You know, we, we don't even get it. You know, we never just like wake up to realize that, oh, this is another way he's attacking me and I'm falling right into it. So at that point, then you have to say enough is enough. I'm done. So, um, and apply that to every area of your life, you know, no matter what it is, if if it's not that job, hey, great. It may be, you know, a bossy mom in your life or, you know, an in-law or, you know, a boyfriend that you just really need to get rid of or a girlfriend that's just not doing right. You know, she's doing whatever she wants to do and she's not doing anything that's really healthy and beneficial for the relationship. I'm not telling you to get to to uh, <laughs> divorce your wife or your husband if you're married that's a whole nother issue you probably need to go to counseling <laughs> I'm not gonna tell anybody to leave their spouse over that but you know there's just things in life that you can do to make adjustment maybe if you're married it just means simply establishing boundaries you know and most of all self-care you know that's just one of the things that we just you know, it's like frowned upon too, especially if you're, a, you know, a wife or a mom, you know, and you're, you know, people look at you crazy if you out enjoying, enjoying your life and listen, you only get one. So it's important not to live a life that so many things are attached, you know, attached to you, have attached themselves to you. But ultimately, it being the enemy, it being Satan, Satan doing whatever he can do to keep you from church, to keep you from worship, to keep you from prayer, you know, whether it's social media, you you know, you, first thing you do when you get up is turn on your phone, you got to check Facebook, you know, but you're not praying, you know, um, and, and when you're doing that, you're not even allowing the opportunity for the Lord to cover you. So then when the enemy does come and he tries to deceitfully do things to throw you off track and cause things to attach themselves to you you don't even see it because you've not gotten in your word you haven't prayed you haven't done your devotions or you know whatever it is you haven't meditated you haven't done anything but you've done everything else you know so 
wherever you are in your life, you know, just keep that in mind. So be encouraged. I always want you to be encouraged and, you know, just trust, trust enough in the Lord that he's got you. He really does got you, but you have to do the work. You have to do the work too. There's, there's nothing in life that doesn't involve some type of work, right? No pun intended. We're not overworking physically, but I'm saying you have to put in the mental process, the, the mental work, the spiritual work. You have to put into it if you want to get out of it. And that's the only way that things will, you know, no longer attach themselves to you. It's a process of mastering it. You know, we don't master everything 100% of the time. And when we die, we probably still will be dealing with some stuff. But at least you can filter out as much as possible so you can live a clean, healthy, peaceful, restful life for the most part. So I'm out for now and I will be back next week. Thank you so much for tuning in to Encouragement from Kristen's Backyard. Hi, this is Kristen, and thank you so much for listening to Encouragement from Kristen's Backyard. You know, the Bible says in John 3:16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You know, maybe after listening to the podcast, if you are not saved, you're thinking, I would love to give my life to Christ. If so, all you have to do is confess your sins to him, ask him to forgive you, and he will, and then say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I accept you as my personal Lord and Savior. And you know what? It is done. You are saved. If you enjoy listening to the podcast and want to follow me on social media, I am at three different places on Instagram. You can follow me at KB Simple Life, Encouragement from Kristen, or my business page, Traveling Psychology Girl. Thank you so much for listening and supporting what I'm doing here. God bless you. God bless you. And I will be with you next time.